Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to The Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us again on another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Today, we have another lovely guest for you. Her name is Adina Applebaum. Welcome, Adina. Hi, Simone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really uh, honored to be here with you. Thank you for joining us on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. If you don't mind sharing a bit about your personal professional bio and just a bit about yourself. Absolutely. Um, So my background is I'm an immigration attorney. I'm also a accredited financial counselor and I do financial and business coaching. I have been working in immigrants rights for basically my whole adult life, uh, as long as I can remember. And that led me, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on, you know, to becoming an immigration lawyer, but the journey didn't stop there. And I got into the financial counseling work really just from personal experience when my husband Mao immigrated from Ecuador. And we we struggled a lot with money and finances when he came to the US and just found ourselves, you know, feeling really alone in that area. There were no books or podcasts or blogs that spoke about finances for immigrants specifically. And so here I was, you know, studying at Georgetown Law to be an immigration lawyer with like the best professors, you know, and no one could tell me if if my husband could have a bank account or a credit card or invest or whether we would be able to plan for retirement or buy a home. So it was really anxiety provoking. And Um, That led to immigrant finance, which is um, where I focus on my financial coaching work and education. And our mission is really to help more immigrant families be financially empowered and make sure folks aren't alone in learning how to navigate the system. I've checked out your podcast and you're doing great work with that. And we just recently connected and I'm looking forward to working with you and learning more about how we may be able to collaborate in the future. Definitely. Uh, it's so great to know another podcaster talking about the experiences of immigrants. Yes, definitely. It was a, a much needed conversation and it was such a huge vacuum. So I'm glad to um, be meeting more people who got the call or got the download that something was needed and we needed to be the one to do it ourselves, right? What's your heritage? And can you tell us a little bit about that background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I come from a Jewish Eastern European family, and my great grandparents um, all came here as refugees, essentially, you know, fleeing for their lives and um, came in through Ellis Island. 
one of my, my great grandmother was actually detained at Ellis Island, which I only found out later once I had already become an immigration lawyer focused on representing and defending people who get detained. So that was really uh, interesting circle there in my my family's history and in my own professional work. And yeah, that, you know, I, I, although I'm not an immigrant myself, I grew up hearing a lot of, from my parents and and my grandparents about, you know, always feeling different. Um, they, I think they very much identified as, you know, not fully fitting in in the U.S. That was something I was very aware of growing up with, you know, my like blonde Christian neighbors who celebrated Christmas and, you know, knowing I was a little different. So that was always something. And then that just led to me being very curious and interested about other cultures. And, you know, it was always drawn toward friends who are from immigrant families and learning about different foods and languages and all that. Okay, wonderful. If you don't mind me asking, which country in Eastern Europe? They're a whole mix. So we don't even know quite for sure, like every country and and the borders have changed so much, but we know it's um, generally there's people like what is now Poland, Romania, I think some of Ukraine too, Russia, definitely a little bit of Germany. Okay, so right around that region. The reason I yeah. asked is I I just connected with someone from Ukraine who came in when she was 21 and she wanted to, oh. she was asking me to connect her with other of my guests who mm. have heritage or connection or immigrant stories related to that part of the world because she's trying to do a book with the shared experience of people from Eastern Europe who are oh. now immigrants in the U.S. and with the numbers of our refugees coming from the Ukraine, she's trying mm-hmm. to really support people coming in and how to adjust to the new culture and how to yeah. figure themselves and adapt to the new country that they're now living in. So yeah, we can talk offline if yeah. you love to talk to her, but I connected two of my previous guests from one from Russia, one from Ukraine. And so think you guys would have a lot to share as she kind of does the research about, you know, that immigrant journey. I'm sure I would have a lot to learn from her because, you know, I, I didn't grow up knowing my great grandparents were the ones from that culture. So it would be really interesting to learn more. Yes. So we talked a little bit a few days ago when we met about did you actually change the name of your podcast from Immigrant Finance to now a new name? Would you like to share that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's now called the Business of Purpose podcast. I'm still playing around with it a little bit. It's been very much in the creative process, but I've had a podcast for over two years now. I started it in December 2020, and I called it the Immigrant Finance Podcast. And um, for anyone looking for resources um, on on finances for immigrants, the first 141 episodes are all about specifically um, financial education for immigrant families. And then beyond that, I'm still talking about those issues, but also talking about things like purpose and, you know, finding out and discovering what you're really meant to do and building businesses based off that and you know, financial empowerment is a huge part of that too. So it's it's broadening a bit. Yes. And so that's why I reached out to you because I came across your podcast and really loved the content that you were 
sharing that there is actually somebody who's like in that niche of immigrant finance, right? I do a little bit of, of like a lot as it relates to the immigrant experience mm-hmm. across the board, but I was I was very happy to see that you actually was in that niche of immigrant finance there. So there's lots of interviews on her podcast, folks, if you'd like to go on over and check out some of the episodes. There's lots of information there for you to learn. I'm wondering, what was the experience of your family over the years? Do you remember? Well, all you know, then, is the mm-hmm. United States because you were born here. Yeah. But what was it like for your parents? Did they share stories about how they adjusted to the new world and, you know, coming through Ellis Island? My gosh, that must have been amazing stories that they were sharing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of amazing stories. Um, and, and thank you again so much for, for sharing the podcast. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, so it was both both me and, and my parents um were born here. It was it was my actually my grandparents too. So it was the my great grandparents were the ones who immigrated. So a lot of the stories are just about, you know, having family members from other countries around. I mean, my my dad remembers his grandma, she she literally would like house recently arriving, I guess at the time, you know, under today's world, we would call asylum seekers or refugees or maybe even undocumented people at the time. They didn't really have those terms as much, but we'd have family coming and she had this one bedroom apartment and she would just take in anybody. She was very generous who needed a place to stay. So he remembers that growing up. He remembers, or my mom remembers her great grandmother having like a really heavy accent, you know, they would speak Yiddish a lot. Um, they were like very afraid of Russia. They never wanted to go back. And I think that I actually asked my aunt and mom this recently, like, did you even really realize you all were part of an immigrant culture? And they didn't because at the time they grew up in the DC area communities were so separated. So like everyone they knew was in that situation and they didn't know they were really different until their adult lives. We're used to growing up with family members speaking different languages and having heavy accents and eating the foods they ate. Um, Very family oriented, just like many immigrant cultures, a lot of focus on food and family and strong values and education and working hard. And another full circle thing, I think tied to my great grandparents and grandparents immigrant experience is they all had little small businesses. That's how they survived in this country. They came here with nothing. They were extremely poor and they had like little grocery shops or, you know, and things like that. Um, My great grandmother, I know how to small little candy shop or something like that. And they lived upstairs and that's how, yeah, that's how they survived. And that's also how my own family over the decade, over the generations was able to make it to the middle class through business. So personally, that was something I only connected really quite recently in the past few years. Now that I have a business because I have always worked in nonprofits and I never really thought about business stuff, but then I found myself really from my, I guess my purpose and my calling, you know, what I experienced with my husband and seeing this need creating immigrant finance and, and then a business being the best way to help people and reach people to have the resources to do that on this issue. 
led me to business as well. So now I'm seeing how it's been such a thread in my own family's immigrant experience. It's just amazing sometimes how life just, we think we're leading ourselves. Yeah. But the older we get and the pieces starting to come together, it seems like we almost like our lives are already decided or determined. Yeah. Even though we think we're making choices. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. I mean, I've been fighting for detained immigrants for like almost 10 years. And I found that out after. It's amazing. It's just crazy how life is sometimes. But the older you get, it seems, and when you start just going within and kind of pulling away from the noise of the outside world, Mm -hmm. uh, you tend to see more. It's funny, right? When you go within, you just seem to see better. You see more. You you learn about yourself and your answer to stirs and your connection to this world just becomes more um, heightened and brighter. And so... Okay. It's so um, well said. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm on my journey and I'm I'm finally paying attention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are you are. I know you I know you woke up. <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's like signs and you know, the next step just it starts to fall in place more the more you kind of start paying attention. It's really incredible. Right. So sorry if I missed this while you were talking earlier. I'm wondering, like as we talk about purpose and uh, just being aligned with who you are, how, what brought you to the line of work that you did, like the nonprofit side of immigration law? Because most, I'm thinking most people who are going into law, you know, they're thinking money and nonprofit is definitely not the money. So what was the story or journey or whatever it was that pulled you, not even knowing that your grandmother was in that space. So it, it definitely wasn't yeah. a conscious choice that you said, okay, because my grandmother was this, I want to, you know, defend right. people. It was more of a subconscious type of a thing. What was the story behind totally. that? Thank you so much for seeing that and asking that. I really appreciate it. I It was just such a strong, visceral call. And at the time, I wasn't even like thinking about purpose or aware of that kind of stuff. But since college i mean i was just extremely passionate about social justice issues you know fighting for equality and then i was also just as i mentioned earlier beginning like in childhood very drawn toward other cultures and international stuff and so i kind of just created it in in college my two majors were literally international area studies which allowed me to study international stuff and i studied arabic and the middle east and i we had lived in Egypt after college. And then I also majored in urban studies, which for me was a way I could just take all the fun classes I wanted about social justice, you know, and, and more domestic policy issues that involve the, these issues of inequality. And there were no classes on immigration at the time. I didn't even know I was, I didn't even know I was interested in that, but Okay, can I tell a little serendipitous story that will explain this, how how this all happened? So I wanted to study abroad in Africa really badly. And I'll just be very frank. My parents couldn't handle it because my sister was living in Rwanda at the time doing her PhD research. And they were freaking out. You know, they they didn't grow up international. They just were like, we can't handle, they're they're scared. We can't handle both our daughters. You know, she had malaria, all this stuff. And so I was really upset about that. And at the time I was financially dependent on them. So I couldn't go study abroad there myself. And so 
I picked the next best option to me, which was there was a program to study at Oxford at my college. And I knew that if I did that, I would get to study whatever I wanted because the structure was you design your own class and you worked with a tutor one-on-one on anything you wanted to learn, which was an amazing opportunity. And I the, the class I designed was called Immigration Integration, which I, I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And I got to just read all of the academic books there were at Oxford on immigration. It was incredible. And so that really lit a spark. And then the serendipitous moment, the first really big sign was there was this famous academic named Barbara Harold Bond, who started the refugee legal aid movement in developing countries, legal aid centers. Um, the first main one being, in, I think, in Egypt. And I knew she lived part-time in Kenya, I can't remember what country, and part-time in Oxford. So I figured, what the hell, I'll just send her an email and see if she's in Oxford and because I want to meet her. I'm here. She responded in like one minute and she goes, here's my flat address. Come over right now. And so I went to her flat <laughs> and it was probably the crazy, one of the craziest experiences of my life. She was chain smoking the entire time. She probably went through like five packs of cigarettes there were refugees coming in and out the whole time. And she was this very strong woman. And she sat me down and she said, sit here, watch this documentary about the Iraqi refugee crisis. At the time, it was you know the Iraq war and the displacement that that caused. And then she, after I finished, she goes, okay, so you're going to go to Egypt and you're going you're gonna to go help the refugees there. And you're going to apply for a Fulbright to get the funding to go. So I said, okay, and I did it and it worked out. (laughs) It was really insane. I just did exactly what she said. And then I got to go literally do refugee resettlement work, which I know is your specialty. That's how I got there. Oh my gosh, that's your guardian angel. Right? So like it was, it was kind of meant to be, I guess. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I'm telling you. (laughs) It was funny because yesterday I tell you, I I saw this lady on LinkedIn and I just had this pull towards her. She posted something. Oh, I work for this agency. We're hiring. I love my job. Da, 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 da. And I felt this strong pull to just send inbox her, but we didn't, mm-hmm. we connected, but we didn't know each other. She doesn't know me personally. I don't know her personally. And I just, I was so afraid to do it. So I did t- the weeks and the weeks just kept passing and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to say. And I stopped, my mind started getting the best, the best of me. And I, I'll, you know, all these reasons why I shouldn't do it. And then she did it again on Thursday. And I said, you know what? She did it again. I'm just going to do it. So <laughs> I did cold turkey and I said, apologies if this, seems a bit cold <laughs> that we don't know each other and I'm just reaching out to you and I tell you she immediately responded and said okay yes let's set up a time we set up a time and she was just like I mean she doesn't know me she was so kind she was so giving she just told me like so much stuff as wow. if like I was her little sister that's incredible I love those moments life can be challenging but sometimes you meet some people who are just there to guide you or to just yes. give you a piece of information that you need for the next step of life or on your journey. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, whether you're here in the U.S. and you're struggling to make sense of whatever place that you're in, 
you know, nothing lasts forever and, you know, things could change. So just reach out if you're feeling a sense to communicate with somebody or to ask for help for some, from someone. You just never know. It could be you feel led to go somewhere and you just yeah. never know. Going there might be the path that brings you in alignment to just cross path with somebody. And right. so... Life is an inside job. Like, you know, I, I'm just kind of really like, you know, it's an inside job. Just go within and really just kind of listen. And there's so much noise in this country from the media, pop culture, and everybody telling you how your life is supposed to be. But really, sometimes you really just have to unplug from all that in order to find yourself, to connect within. And in within that, you know, you can finally just get on a path that feels right for you. You know, that's just amazing. So you ended up going to Egypt, studying in refugee work and which led you into this uh, nonprofit work that you do uh, supporting refugees and and others. And now your business, right? Coaching Mm -hmm. immigrants in the finance space. So exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing led to another. And I'm I'm sure that's been your experience too. I'd, like, I'd love to hear about yours too. I don't know if that was a good time. Yeah, or, it's not a yeah. problem. And I, so it was funny because I was an undergrad in Kansas City. My family went straight to Kansas City because that's where our family, my aunt was living and my aunt and uncle were there with their families. So when we came from Jamaica, we went straight to Kansas City and then, you know, mm-hmm. did our thing to get ourselves settled and get our own place. And I did undergrad. I had my 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 transcripts from high school and I was just trying to figure out like, what do I do next? Nobody was telling me what to do. So I took some classes and was able to then get into a private undergraduate and got a scholarship mm. and whatever I wow. couldn't cover with a scholarship. I took out student loans. I worked yeah. part time just to make sure I could cover whatever. And so I finished undergrad, didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I just knew I enjoyed doing languages. I studied Spanish, French, and international business in undergrad. And then one of my classmates actually got a fellowship, the Pickering Fellowship, to go into State Department, right, Mm -hmm. to in the Foreign Service. And she told me about it. And I just applied the next year. And she basically just coached me when I, I got, I literally, I was about to miss FedEx on the last day of submitting my application. I kid you <laughs> not, the last hour before they closed, I was in my car heading over there trying to make it before they locked the door to drop off my application. Oh. And I FedEx my application in, I got selected. I went into DC to do my interview. I got selected and that brought me into state department. I mean, I would never have chosen wow. that career because I didn't know much about foreign service, but it yeah. changed my life. It exposed me. I lived in Mexico city for two years. I, I did a, a Cuba tour, uh, was in Havana. Then I did Gitmo and what else did oh. I do? I did some migration policy work uh, for the Caribbean uh, migration issues there. And then I did another stint with law enforcement with training police officers in Ghana. So, I mean, it's just stressed me so much. And I was able to use my Spanish while I lived Uh in Mexico City with the U.S. Embassy. It's just life just took me on the train. And I, it sounds like it was meant to be as well. Like just from your friend being like, here's the path. Yeah. She just said the application process opens in November. I applied and I literally was almost, I almost missed it. 
I, I remember till this day, clear as it was yesterday, driving, rushing to FedEx. I couldn't send it regular mail because it was already too late. I had to FedEx <laughs> to get it there on time. And I did. And I made the list. I wa- I got in the door. I guess it was meant to be. And which brought me into my, you know, so I did finish my time with Department of State. I couldn't have written it myself, right? <laughs> you should but write I a book. yeah yeah I think about it but life has taken me on such an interesting journey this little girl born and raised on a small island in Jamaica I wouldn't have I wouldn't I don't think I had I had the that dream when I was on the small island Mm. but I think my parents making the decision to move here my dad gave up his business very thriving security business and moved here to the U.S. and has my world changed completely? Oh that, my gosh. Uh, you know, and so I wouldn't have done it any other way. It, there were very challenging seasons that I went through. I can tell you being, away of course, from, you know, trying to understand the culture and the way people's behaviors, biases that I had to do with. And the, the yeah. thing about being an immigrant, when you're new to an environment that you don't, you're not really keen to some of the biases that you're walking into and you come in just so naive. And I tell you, I have felt a lot of pain and disappointment just dealing with people when you realize what you're dealing with. Yeah, <laughs> But you know, it's, I, I've grown from it and I'm a much better person today for having gone through some of those challenges and it's made me mm-hmm. a stronger person. And hence why I'm here doing this podcast, because I feel like yeah. my life has shown me so much I could not have not done this. If you understand what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. It wasn't yeah. even something you could, you had a choice. Yeah, no, because <laughs> it literally haunted me for like more than five years. I had, I had the book idea, then I yeah. wouldn't do it. Then it just kept haunting me at night. Then it, it turned into yeah. a podcast and I was like, okay, well maybe I could do this. At least I don't have to yeah. be on camera. I'll just have to have a conversation. <laughs> That's exactly what happened with me with immigrant finance. I mean, I was, I wouldn't, I can't describe the emotion. Like it's, it was almost like anger, but it wasn't anger. I was just so incredibly frustrated creatively because I knew I had such a bigger impact to make. And it was like bursting out of me. Yeah. I know you're, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. You, you've gone through that. And I just like, it was all I could think about and I mean, I had started as a blog in 2018, but I started it really as the coaching and the courses I do and working with actual people really on my maternity leave. Like here I was with a little baby and every second she was sleeping, if I wasn't taking my nap or cleaning up, you know, and dealing with all the baby stuff, I was doing that because it was like, there was nothing, I couldn't stop myself. It was just such a magnet, you know? Yeah, you you had to do it and um had to. Yes. And so I mean, and I knew nothing about podcasting, but boy, I've discovered a whole new world and <laughs> love. And I'm just there's so many pieces of it now that I want to branch out into doing this and doing that. And so yeah, yeah, it's just like I need a few more hands, like um at least 10 more to be able to do all the stuff <laughs> flowing through me. But in time we will work it out one step at a It'll time. It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I'm wondering, you know, through your journey uh, with the, the line of work that you do, have you been able to show up as your authentic self? And, you know, with the 
refugees or other immigrants that you deal with, do you find that they're able to show up as their authentic self and and bring the value that they bring from where they come? In terms of the immigration law work or the financial education work or both? Well, just in general in their lives. Yeah. You hear them talking about having to like, you know, live in the shadows or do they feel like they have Mm. to kind of morph into somebody else or, you know, they can't really show up as themselves and just say, okay, this is what I bring from my, where I come from, or do they have to hide who they really are? That's such an interesting question. What comes to mind, honestly, I have seen that the most with my husband since I see every aspect of his life. And again, although I'm not an immigrant, I've, my, you know, my husband is, and it's, I experience everything he experiences. So in many ways, it's like a witnessing of all of those emotions of having to navigate being in this country and being a person of color who's not from here, who doesn't have the connections and going through, um, I think the hardest has been the career stuff and jobs and especially when his visa was tied up and all that. It was very painful in the financial aspect. So I saw a lot of that with him. I still do. Um, with my immigration law work, you know, I do really emer- basically what I call emergency room work in the immigration world. So I, I literally work with people who are detained by ICE getting deported. And so it's such an urgent situation. There's not a lot of room to get into that, but I see how the dehumanizing system impacts people. And and I also see the strength and resiliency. I know that sounds cheesy, but in the, the worst and scariest of times, I mean, I, one of my favorite clients, like he has had horrible things happen to him throughout his life and was detained off and on for years, separated from his, his family, his children. And it was very difficult for him. You know, he, um, very, very traumatic situation. And like, there were, there were moments where, you know, he couldn't eat and he lost all this weight being in detention because he was so depressed. But he would say to me, they can't take away my humanity. Right. Like they can't, like I'm at the end of the day, they can take away my liberty, everything, but my values and who I am, like no one can take that away. So it's in those moments where I have really seen that the humanity and strength that people have, you know, that immigrants have in these really dire circumstances. And then I'll just add to in the financial work, that's been really interesting because I work with people who, you know, there a lot of times there's nothing that can be done in the immigration system. And they may be undocumented or they may be waiting for something. And with finances, the sky is the limit. Finances and business, they can do everything, right? There's always a way with finances and business, no matter your immigration situation. And so I see the hope come back for people in that work. And I see I see them start to realize all these barriers they've faced um, and the mindset traps that the society puts on immigrants. They can start, people can start to take ownership and control of it and be like, I can do this. Like I can, even if I'm undocumented, I can invest and build wealth and start a business and make money and support my family and like take my power back. You know what I mean? I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Right. That resiliency is still there. I guess the hope stays alive, right? 
Can you talk a bit about like some of the trainings that you offer and what are the results that you're getting from working with your folks over the last year or two or plus that you've been working with the immigrant finance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So in terms of like the financial aspects, um, the number one thing that people come to us for that we help with is, is helping them start participating and investing in the stock market because a lot of immigrants have been told they can't and they can actually. So it's incredible because we see people go from, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, having some debt even, or maybe they have savings, but they're really stuck. They have no way to grow their their money and, and they have no way to make their money start working for them. So to start having them shift into a position where, their money is working while they're sleeping, while they're on vacation, while they're with their family. It's not just when they're working three jobs, right? That just changes everything because this country, as you and I both know, economically often puts immigrants in a position where they are a source of labor, right? For this country, source of cheap labor often, and their rights are not respected. And so folks have to work a lot. And there's this really amazing work ethic, right? That I grew up with seeing in my own family and so many immigrant families have to offer and it's incredible, but there needs to also be a piece in the financial aspect of like, I shouldn't have to trade my time for money, right? This is the only way to make money. Like my money can work for me and I can be part of the American dream where my money's working for me, whether it's investing in the stock market or in real estate or in a business I start. So that's really the results. The transformation we focus on is helping people shift to that, where they're in a position where they're building wealth, essentially, through the, through those ways of investing in the stock market, real estate, starting businesses, um, plus, of course, all the managing money and learning how to like budget and build a credit score and all those kinds of things, emergency funds. listening to one of your episodes where you talked about like things that were available to people who might believe that they don't have access to the system. Can you speak a little bit more about that? And for people who might be listening and wondering, you know, what can I do? Yes. You know, they might be living in the shadows or or even people who are here with their legal documents and Mm -hmm. might not be aware of how to access the credit system or the financial system to get the balls rolling for them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, in general, like most Americans don't, don't know how to do this too, because we're not taught it in school. Right. And so if you don't grow up in a family where you're taught financial literacy, like, you know, you're going to be in the same situation, but immigrants have that added layer Um, When there's issues around their status or particular type of status, that it can get more complicated. So the main thing to know if you are in a position where you don't have a social security number is that there's an alternative type of identification number with the U.S. government. Um, You can get through the IRS called an individual tax identification number or stands for ITIN. And the ITIN is an amazing tool to help people access all these systems. Because with the ITIN, you can get a bank account, you can get a credit card and build credit, you can buy a property, 
you can invest, you can start a business, you can do everything with the ITIN. So there's really uh, nothing when it in terms of finances and business that immigrants can't do, honestly. It's just a bit more complicated because some companies, um, financial companies won't accept ITINs or they're not familiar with it or they have, you know, immigration questions that aren't necessary or kind of asking something different than what they seem like. So it gets complicated in that sense. And that's where I really specialize in using my background as an immigration attorney and a financial counselor to kind of piece those together. And that's what we spent really the past 10 years um, doing an immigrant finance, piecing together these two systems. So what sort of documentation then would somebody need to apply for like an ITIN? Good question. If you want to look it up on the IRS website, it's called Form W-7. If you just Google Form W-7 IRS, it will come up and it will list the different types of identity documents. I believe believe in the instructions, um, what you can use. So often someone does need like a passport or some kind of birth certificate different ways to prove their identity to get that number. So that can be a challenge for especially like refugees who, you know, didn't have a chance to collect their documents before fleeing. It it can get complicated in that sense, but there are alternative ways to establish identity for the ITIN number. And you are probably the expert since you worked with a different people in varying status, right? Type of statuses to kind of get to that document. Yeah. And for more information, um, I'll just point people on our website. We've got a blog post that talks about this more and links to all that. It's just immigrantfinance.com slash ITIN, I-T-I-N. Very good. Thank you. I saw a post from you about student loans from working with people to get their ITINs and be able to access the financial system. And you talk about Mm -hmm. investing in the stock market. I think student loan is another area that you talk about. Can you kind of share a little bit more about some of the other areas that you deal with in case somebody might be listening and might have a question on a specific topic that they might say, okay, she might be able to help me in this area? Yeah, absolutely. So investing is really the main one that people are often asking about that that we can definitely help with. We work with a lot of people who have been trying to open their investment accounts for years and been rejected. And we've been able to have 100% success rate with our students getting their accounts open. But really, like anything financially we cover, we we cover the whole universe of, of personal finance foundations. So if you're having trouble with paycheck to paycheck or paying your bills or making, making um, you know, putting away money to enjoy life now or save for goals or even just plan your finances and get on the same page with your family members. Um, we cover all of that in terms of um, financial training around managing money. And then um, we also, of course, teach people how to start businesses, which is, um, as I was telling you, become really um, my main passion. I, I think it's just so fun helping people figure out what they're really meant to do and, and create something around that. Um really from their purpose, but also, of course, with the financial benefits, because we need uh, we need resources to make make what we're meant to make and to help people make change. You know, it takes money to do that. So a business is a great way to not only um, develop more financial stability and build wealth for your family, especially if you don't have status. Right. That is something that all immigrants can do. You don't need a work permit to start a business but it's also a way to make an impact and help others. 
Yeah, I bet you've worked with quite a number of people over the years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we've worked with about over 120 families with our financial coaching and education. So this has been great. I wanted to hear more about what you do through your uh, website, through your podcast. And uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, your journey, getting into the line of work that you do. And amazingly, the story of your, your grandparents coming through Ellis Island. So this has been awesome, Adina. Thank you, Simona. I really appreciate all your thoughtful questions and taking the time to hear a little bit about my story and work. It means a lot. No, not a problem. It's been my pleasure. Uh, can you wrap up with just uh, reminding our listeners about, you know, the services that you offer, how to find you? So we'll have those to list out in the show notes. And then if you have any specific advice for those who are listening and any advice that you'd like to offer to people who are either fresh or have been here for a few weeks, few months or a few years and are trying yeah. to make sense of the journey here of understanding America and how to make life here. So the best way to learn about our work is on our website, immigrantfinance.com. We offer free 30 minute consultations for anybody who's got questions or wants to learn more about our services. You can um, book that at immigrantfinance.com slash consult. And on there, you're going to see links toward um, the blog we have with a lot of resources the programs we offer, our main, our main program, how we help people is called Immigrant Finance School. That's our wealth building program for immigrant families. Um, the podcast is up there. And then for anyone who's interested in starting a business, I, I do business coaching as well for immigrants and non-immigrants. And in terms of advice, I would say that, um, oh, there's so many things I want to leave people with. And my main thing I'm always trying to drive home is don't focus on just surviving, right? Don't focus on just the short term and right now, like try to focus on getting yourself to a place after you've established yourself, gotten, you know, your, your bearings in the U S to build wealth really, because it, it's not just about the money. It, it's about the mindset too. And it's about getting out of that emergency mode so that you can get to a place where you are, you know, more stable and can and can start to take advantage of all the opportunities there are in this country, right? That are not available in many other countries, whether it's investing in building wealth or um, you know, building wealth to send back to your your family at home and make an impact on your community or starting a business here and and creating something from nothing, right? That's that can be hard to do in many countries. There's a lot of opportunities here and the sky's the limit. Um, I know there are certainly restrictions and to the American dream and it has become less and less possible for many people over the years with the structure of the economy in the U.S. But I always want people to know that there is a way to do that. I, and I can tell you because I've worked now with so many immigrants, including undocumented immigrants, who within one year have gone from, you know, getting paid under the table, less than minimum wage, really struggling to getting their finances together and starting a business and increasing income and using that to propel their family forward and make an impact on their communities, right? Like I'm thinking about 
I love the story of my my um, student Yasmin who went from working at Subway, right, with three kids, struggling financially, facing medical debt, uh, being told by everyone she talked to, every financial advisor that she was not allowed to invest to now she has a business doing very well. She was able to hire her brother who was in a terrible situation. She was able to buy her dad a new truck for his construction business when it broke down. She has more time with her kids. She's able to invest and max out her retirement accounts and her children's educational investment. So it just, it changes everything. That's what I'm so excited about finances and business is like, it's not just about the money. It's like how your life changes for you and your family. So you can have what you're meant to have and help the people that you're meant to help. Just an amazing story. Thank you for adding that in. Uh, it really does put a a visual on it to see someone move from one place of struggle to having more time freedom and being able to bless others in their circle. Yeah. Right. That's yes. just amazing. That's amazing. That's the power of being able to earn more and, and using money for its right purpose. Right. Exactly. So this has been awesome. I wish I could continue to chat with you some more, but you know, I want to be respectful of your time and your family and, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was an honor. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.